This is a Pele Media Podcast. Welcome back to Jurassic Park Minute. Jurassic Park Minute is the fan podcast where we carefully explore the movie Jurassic Park minute by minute. My name is Brady, and normally I would be joined by my co-host Kyle right here, but Kyle can't make it today. But we do have the distinct pleasure of having JC of Jurassic Collectibles on with us today. How you doing, man? Hi. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Definitely, definitely. Uh, this is something I've actually been looking forward to doing, uh, but we wanted to save it for these minutes, and I'm sure fans of the Jurassic community you know, are well aware of why. These are the uh, minutes where Ellie stumbles upon Ray, Samuel L. Jackson's character's uh, severed limb, and you happen to own that prop. I do. I do. There's a bit of history there, as well as the, um, the leg as well. Good deal. Well, I tell you what, uh, let's go ahead and get into the minute breakdown, and when we come back, we'll get into that. In the previous minute, Tim was making his way down from the electrified fence. At that moment, Ellie was able to restore power to Jurassic Park, thus causing Tim to be shocked and thrown to the ground. At 104 minutes, Grant informs Lex that Tim isn't breathing. We cut to inside the maintenance shed. All of the lights are turning on one by one, and the camera pushes in on Ellie. As she tells Hammond she thinks they're back in business, a raptor head bursts through the pipes next to her. Ellie jumps in terror and runs for the gate. The raptor is quickly making its way through the pipes, but not before Ellie can swing the gate shut. As she does, the raptor makes its way up to the gate. She stands up and falls back against some pipes. Suddenly, Ray's hand falls onto her shoulder. She takes the hand and excels in relief. She turns around, but finds no one standing behind her, yet the hand is still on her shoulder. She drops Ray's severed arm to the ground in horror as she backs up to the gate. Suddenly, the raptor throws itself against the gate. Ellie takes off down the hall. As she makes her way to the stairwell, we see the raptor's legs in the foreground. Ellie runs up the stairs, through the door, and out of the exterior gate. She falls in exhaustion and begins to cry. And thus ends Minute 104 of Jurassic Park. So, you know, I guess the obvious question is, how did you come across the arm? Just uh, t- tell us the whole story. So, uh, it was actually, it came up for sale on Prop Store, uh, you know, and anyone could have bought it. I think at the time I didn't quite believe it was the real deal. And uh, so I, I sent the guys at Prop Store a message and said, you know, is this is this the real thing? Is this Samuel Jackson's arm? You know, you sure it's not from another production? He said, yeah, this is this has got real provenance going back to the people who worked on the film. And, you know, Prop Store are pretty good at this sort of stuff. So I was like, OK, well, you know, I'm going I'm going to buy this thing. <laughs> and um, it was interesting because it was a set. It was an arm and leg set. And I said, you know, would you let me just get the arm? Would you let me buy the arm and, and you know, maybe it'd get the cost down? Um, and it wasn't that expensive considering what it is. Um, so I was like, okay, can I just have the arm? They said, no, 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 it's a set, has to come with the leg. And as time's gone on, I've kind of understood why. So what happened was the, the arm and the leg were uh, made, uh, they were cast at Stan Winston Studios. And Stan Winston had a good friend uh, in the makeup effects industry called Lance Anderson. And he's still good friends with um, Stan Winston's son, uh, Matt Winston. And if you didn't know, Stan Winston is long deceased, rest in peace, uh, fantastic makeup guy, did all the dinosaurs for Jurassic Park and his team. Um, so he got the arm cast up from Samuel Jackson's arm. Uh, the leg, I think, is just like a dummy leg. And then he handed it over to Lance Anderson, who did the sculpt and the paint job. 
And the story goes that Lance Anderson also did the goat that lands on the, the roof of the Jungle Explorers. Yeah, and um, he, I actually got in touch with Lance Anderson afterwards because I wanted to know more about the provenance. And um, I found him online, he's a painter, and I emailed him and I said, you know, I'm a big fan and I've acquired this and could you tell me any of the history? And uh, he says, yeah, sure. Um, you know, I really wanted to have a souvenir from that film. So I went uh, down on set to retrieve the arm and he told the story of the goat. The goat went on set and he went to retrieve it later and they said, oh no, it's gone. And one of the execs higher up had basically nicked his his goat. <laughs> really? <laughs> he, yeah, someone had taken it as like a souvenir. I suppose this happens a lot in films. If you've got producers there, they're kind of like, oh, I'll have something. Um, and the goat being a pretty big moment in the film, I suppose they just thought, right, I'll, I'll take that. Um, so what he did is he actually went down to the set on the day they were shooting the scene with um, Samuel Jackson's arm and leg and actually made sure that as soon as they were done with it, he retrieved it and then and, and passed it on to his son. And the son is the one who eventually ended up selling it. Um, so yeah, it's really cool to have that provenance and to have that link back to Stan Winston. He was a really good friend of Stan Winston's. Um, so yeah, it's a really nice piece to own and the detail is incredible. And also it's Samuel Jackson's arm cast, which is just bizarre. Um, so one day I think it'd be cool if I ever bump into him to get him to sign his own arm, uh, which would just be bizarre at the same time. Um, that's so cool. And you know, it's, it's funny that. It's an arm. It's just a prop arm. The fact that they would go to the trouble to actually cast his own arm. I know. Yeah. It's it, And the detail is incredible. I mean, it, it holds up much better than it actually does on, on the film itself. In the film, I think it looks quite sort of shiny and prosthetic looking. But actually, a lot of that is kind of... I can see what they've done on the day. They probably prepped it for the shot and made it look all sort of sweaty and, and pale and maybe done some makeup on it. But if you actually look at the physical prop in detail and you get close up to it, there are like fine pores and creases on the knuckles. You know, it's a it's a genuine cast of Samuel Jackson's hand. So it's and it's you know cast in foam core. It's really it's it's held up really well. It's um sorry foam latex. It's held up really well for the amount of time that it's kind of you know been around. Um, but there's also the story with the leg, which is they had to sell with it, and the. The, the leg is basically from a, a scene that didn't make it into the film, but it's in the storyboards, um, and that's essentially where Ellie trips over his leg. It's poking out from under the lockers, and uh, she trips over the leg. And I think that's why she gets the limp that you see in the film, um, but that didn't make it into the film. So I've got this this leg, and it's scuffed and beaten up, so it looks like maybe they shot that bit and just thought, oh, actually, no, we don't need this shot or it doesn't look right so it, it just didn't end up being in the film but it definitely is production used like the arm um so there was a lot more of samuel jackson uh, lying around in the uh the, the power shed and who knows what's still laying there yeah that's um see that's one of those things that like jurassic park actually has quite a bit of stuff that was shot and just has never turned up and there's a lot of movies where you can go and seek out uh deleted scenes and things like that and they're kind of relatively easy to find it blows my mind that a movie as big as jurassic park is it those things are as hard to find as they are yeah yeah and i suppose it was just on the cusp of the time where deleted scenes weren't easily accessible it's kind of like now that we have the the sort of in the 2000s we had the dvd age and i suppose uh, like studios got wise to that they were like okay make sure you keep all the deleted scenes organized because we're going to want to put those on the dvd when they were doing films back in the 90s, anything that was cut was cut. I mean, it didn't make it anywhere. 
So I suppose they were less precious about those scenes that didn't make it into the film. Well, you know, you mentioned uh, there was probably some some touches added to the prop arm on set the day that they shot. Man, the sound effects that they use of how like slimy it is and just the sound of the weight when it hits the floor <laughs> is so disgusting. It's uh, yeah, 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 really effective, really effective. Well, I tell you what, man, if um, you want to just go ahead and break down the minutes, uh, I think that this is one of the biggest scares in the movie is when the raptor's head just comes out of those uh, conduit cables right behind her. And we actually, Absolutely. I know it's, it's great. Uh, and we talked yesterday about uh, you can actually see in kind of behind those cables in a previous shot and something I had never noticed. I didn't know that that room kind of extended back there. And then right as the lights are coming on, you can't see beyond those. So it's kind of a little bit of a flood, but it's still, you know, you're not mm. going to, you're not going to notice when there's a raptor head coming right at you, you know, right in yeah. the center screen. But, um, but yeah, so do, do you remember whenever you first saw Jurassic Park? I guess that's a question I should have asked you at the beginning of the show. God, yeah, I mean, I think it was 1994, it was on VHS. I, there was a moment in 1993 when I was with my brother and sister who were both older than me, and I was already fascinated with the film, but didn't have access to it because it was scary, and my, my parents had deemed it too scary for me to see. I think I was six years old. And... Um, my brother and sister said, it's on, it's across the road, the cinema's there, do you want to go see Jurassic Park? And I was like, yes, yes. And then our parents met up with us and they said, hey, hang on, no, we've said you're not seeing this film. And I remember that moment of like, no, like wanting to see Jurassic Park. And then um, in 1994, we got the VHS. And that's how, it took ages for stuff to come out on VHS back in the day. I seem to remember it took like ages. So yeah, in 1994, we had the VHS copy and uh, I seem to remember certain scenes being too scary for me even then and my parents were covering my eyes for certain parts. But yeah, that was the first time I watched it. And uh, my mum to this day, she still jumps at the bit when uh, the raptor bursts through the bars. And it's the only part in the film that really makes her jump. Um, so that that's why the, this particular minute is quite special to me because it's I always think of my mum jumping out of her seat and she does it every time even when it's on TV. So you talk about um, having to wait back in the day, kids. Uh, you know, you had to wait <laughs> sometimes up to like a year. I think it was a year. Yeah. I think it was. And I was at a uh, Kmart. I don't know if they have or had Kmart's where you're at, um, but they. Uh, my mother and Kyle, co-host, and I were in Kmart, and we saw them wheeling out the, the stand with all the VHS tapes on it. So they were, like, a week before. Oh. Yeah, like a week before it was supposed to come out. So they were breaking street date. Man, I've never run so fast in my life. And I was just <laughs> slapping him, like, did you see what just went by? Did you see what just went by? And we went, and we, we had to get two. We had to get two copies, yeah. just in case. One, I, I, you know, got lost somehow. So, uh... That's crazy. That, yeah. It kind of, in a way, it shortens the gap between, you know, there's quite a lot of excitement with it being a year later. That's it's quite cool, and also I think at the time there was a lot more longevity with films in the theaters. Like, you know, if a film did well, it would just stay for months in the cinema. Um, whereas nowadays, I think they do a thing where the studios sort of cut down the number of theaters where it's being shown if it doesn't have a good weekend instantly. So it just operates, you know, a little differently. And I think people went to the cinema maybe more back then. I think, uh, especially in kind of like a long term, I think people went and saw films that they liked again and again and again. And people are maybe less inclined to do that, what with digital content now. Um, you know, maybe they wait for the download. 
but yeah absolutely well uh okay so quick question um whenever there's a shot of the the raptor trying to come through the bars and you can see its hand have you ever noticed how like puffy the hand looks oh yeah it is quite puffy <laughs> it kind of looks like it's been stung by a bee and it's kind of it's overinflated I'm assuming that's just like it's, you know, if you look at your finger and you, and you kind of, you bend your fingers, you can see that you get those sort of natural crease lines and then you get the flesh bulging. I think they've just sculpted that into the puppet and then it's obviously made from some sort of um, foam latex. And all you're seeing there is like the underside of the hand claws, which are like pads. And you're, so it kind of looks like a bread roll. Yeah. See, that's, I'm, I'm always <laughs> trying to like not justify like make sense of these types of things when i see them and i'm like okay now wait a minute that that might just be like a crappy looking prop or costume piece or something yeah because in other shots the raptor hands are so slender but uh that's something that always sticks out but hey now i have an excuse for it so there we go laura dern does some really cool stuff in this um in she she really plays like panicked very realistic oh my god yeah the fact that she's Try, the only way she's in such like a state of panic, the only place she knows to go is, is up that 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 gate to get into the room. Like before she even thinks to swing it open and go through. And uh, she's all the thing, I can't really quite make out what she's yelling, but I think it's a very like basic statement. It's kind of like earlier we saw Lex whenever the uh, they're trying to dodge the Gallimimus and they hide behind the log and the T Rex comes out. The only things she can mutter is the words "Go now." And she's just yeah. in such a, a state of just complete panic. That it's like primal fear, isn't it? You're kind of like reverting back to this animalistic state where you're just like, you don't even, you know, if you're that horrified, you're just like, Rawr! you know, you just, you just basically sound like. That's exactly what I would do too. <laughs> um, it's interesting now that you say it though, I'm just looking behind her as well. And. I think you can kind of, you can see the lockers where the leg would have poked out from, but I can't see, I can't see the leg per se, but I can see where they would have put it. Because um, if you look in the storyboards, it's actually poking out from under like a locker. And if you look behind, there is actually like a gap between the floor and the locker where it would have been really convenient to just have a leg poking out there. So that makes sense to me. One of, one of the things I... Um would really like to do with future Patreon Jurassic Park Minute episodes, which we, we do want to keep doing. Obviously, the show is going to run its course, but we still have our Patreon account. And we, you know, this this, this movie is just, it's endless, the amount of information that's out there. And it's something that I really want to keep, keep doing through our Patreon account. Uh, mm. And one of the things I have always wanted to do would be to find, like, a prop master or something like that and say, look, tell me about, or, or someone who was there on the day of shooting and say, was the leg actually there or, you know... What would yeah. it, what would that sequence have turned out like? So another thing we've we've got going on here is uh, it's rare in this movie that they used handheld footage. Um, or there's very little of it that's coming to mind. Mm. And I mean, the second she, the second the rapper pokes its head through and she spins around, the camera is just all over the place. And yeah. they do some really cool stuff with the sound design as well. Whenever she goes back through the gate and she shuts it, the second her feet hit and close the gate, the sound kind of drops out. I, it's it's not something that's that prevalent, but the sound, everything outside of the music kind of drops out, and it just really reinforces that moment where uh, where they collide right there at the gate. That's right, yeah. And actually, Jurassic Park's really good at using what they call diegetic sound, where they just cut out the, the sort of overly orchestral music and, and just rely on the pure sounds of the scene 
and the t-rex road attack is a really good example of that and it it just means that you kind of you're you're kind of sucked into the realism and the grittiness of the scene uh, but it does actually come quite it comes back in and it's quite sort of shrill music isn't it it's that sort of john williams-esque shrill sort of dramatic music really cool very uh there was actually other music that was originally going to be put here and I think oh really that, yeah there was a special edition of the soundtrack released i think last year and they have yeah. uh the piece of music and personally i think what they used in the movie which is kind of recycled music from other parts of the movie uh is much more effective than what would have been there yeah I think I have that, actually. I think it was the La La Land Records release, wasn't it, that came out last year? Mr. DNA music was on there. Yeah, that's right. It's cool. That was a good pickup. Very cool. Well, uh, I tell you what, I don't really have a whole lot else uh, for Minute 104. How about you? No, I mean, I, I, I really love this scene. I think like it's, it's, um, it's sort of like the build-up of all the tension, but you, you really don't see this moment coming. I think all all the other moments in the film you know, maybe Muldoon dying, you could maybe foresee. But this moment where this raptor bursts through the bars, uh, I, I just don't think you could you could ever predict that happening the way it does. And that's just a genius moment. Um, one last thing I want to say as well is the bars. When I was little, it always bothered me that this raptor managed to poke its head through metal bars. Um, I, I never quite understood how it had the strength to do that. And they kind of look like they're made of foam. And it's still to this day. I notice it. I always notice those bars, and I think, how is that? How is that raptor forcing itself through the metal bars? Kind of like what you know, we were trying to make sense of its hand looking like it's been stung. Exactly, like a bread uh, roll. <laughs> I think Kyle and I have tried to settle on the fact that those are actually rubber cables with the electrical cords. Oh, okay, that makes more sense, sense actually. Yeah. That makes much more sense. Yeah, because I always thought they were metal. You know, you just kind of as a child, you just assume certain givens. But yeah, no, you're right. It does look like metal, um, like rubber power cable. Yeah, it is power cables, absolutely. But they look. Some of them look like they've kind of got like metal score lines on them and stuff. I think I just always assumed they were metal. It's just my yeah. Uh, me too, and that always bothered me. Like I know these things are strong, but um, something else that happens here is it's a thought I actually never. It never really occurred to me until recently. In that, and I don't know how. Uh, the Raptors don't really start coming around until this point in the movie i mean we're almost like i don't know three quarters of the way through and the raptors we haven't really seen we've been seeing everything else so when they do come into the story they come in with a bang and it's not just a shadow creeping around the corner or somebody getting a, a feeling that something's around no they come smashing right through these cables and that's right and then you know it's just it's all hell breaks loose. And Spielberg kind of does like a Jaws treatment where you're teased with the raptor all the way through the film. You know, they talk about it. They build up how vicious they are, how intelligent they are. And then you're kind of like, you know, you see a little bit of movement in the bushes when they're feeding them earlier on. So it's, it's that real sense of not seeing the creature that builds up that tension all the way to the end of the film. That's brilliant. Definitely. And here's another thing that's a good point that you make. Uh, in Jaws, whenever Chief Brody says, you know, he's chumming, and he's like, you know, why don't you get down here and try this? And the shark's head comes right up in the water. It's like the same that. thing, isn't it? It's it bursts out. Yeah. So, uh, hey, Spielberg knows what he's doing. He, he knows what has worked in the past and, and how to reapply that. But uh, 
But yeah, man, with that aside, uh, I guess we'll go ahead and cut off minute number 104 and regroup here tomorrow for minute number 105 of Jurassic Park Minute. All right, until tomorrow, everybody, remember, hold on to your butts. Jurassic Park Minute is a fan-supported podcast. If you like the podcast, then leave us a review on iTunes. You can contact us at JurassicParkMinute at gmail.com and visit us online at JurassicParkMinute.com, Facebook.com slash JurassicParkMinute, and Twitter.com slash JurassicMinute. You've been listening to a Pele Media Podcast. For premium content and exclusive podcasts, visit us at patreon.com slash Media. Check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash Media, and follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash Media. Yeah.